people. Any questions tonight? Yes, look. I've got a three-part question. Why is uh, why does the false ego present such an impediment on the path of bhakti? How to overcome the self, the um, false ego, and also is that what is the cause of such discourse between like devotees and devotee groups? Well, the false ego, the uh, the Sanskrit term for that is ahankar. And ahankar, I think I've mentioned before in recent discussions, kara means to do or to make, and ham means I, so it means I-maker. So it's the making of an I on the part of someone in conjunction with something. Hmm? And that someone is us, and that something is material nature. So, it takes an eye to make an eye. Hmm? And it takes some ingredients to make it out of. Hmm? So it's, it's an eye that's made out of matter, and someone is making it. Hmm? And that is ourselves. And why do we make it? <laughs> why do we make it? That is a good question that we should ask ourselves because it's an ongoing affair. We are making it up as we go along, as they say, and that's not a very good idea. Um, we're kind of winging it, so to speak, and trying to um, defend, if you will, ourselves against what seems to be a mountain of opposition. Hmm? That the world isn't going our way entirely. In fact, uh, we're, sw- we're actually swimming upstream. We're against the current. We're trying to make our way, make a self, make an I, when in fact we already are. Hmm? And we have nothing to uh, nothing can destroy us. Hmm. There's, there's, uh, there's. Uh, we are not in need of, uh, of, of the, uh, of knowing or of, of joy. Hmm. We think we are. We've made up an eye that is lacking in these categories. That, have, that appears to be. Um, destructible and uh, in need of protection that is appears to be unknowing and to be unhappy. Mm. Indeed it is. Mm. And that's what we get for making it up, so to speak, as we go along rather than going with the system. Mm. And um, so the, the why of why, why do we do that or how, how does that all work? Of course, the idea that this is no beginning to this, but again, it, it's, it's beginning every day, hmm? every minute. It's, it's, um, and then why do we continue to do it? Well, I guess you could say habits formed in youth are, are difficult to overcome. Hmm? And that's why I say that there is no real way to overcome this on our own. And Krishna has mentioned that himself in the Gita. What does he say there? 
No, no, no. Why is it impossible to overcome? He says, Mama Maya Duratya, because it's my Maya, that thing that you're making something out of, making the eye out of, is my Maya and Duratya. It's not possible to overcome it. But it becomes possible if I choose to um, lift the curtain of my... Well, why don't you? <laughs> then, because in effect he wants us to choose to... to uh, uh, he wants us to want, so to speak. So we have some wanting, we have some will in the matter, and that is probably what most was most valuable about us, otherwise what would be the meaning of our life if we didn't have will? Hmm. And with it, of course, then, um, is a necessity to exercise it, and uh, at the extent that we do in relation to this idea that only he can relieve it, remove it, then he will. So we hear about it theoretically, we say, I want that, why doesn't he do that? Because words speak louder, actions speak louder than words. So it's easy to say, I want that. But but when we look and see, we don't find that that's necessarily the case. At least not sufficiently to um, for God to take Krishna to take us seriously, so to speak. So this is our effort, try to get Krishna to take us seriously. We would like to remove the curtain of Maya. And serious effort means, and a well-thought-out one was, is that rather than trying to remove the curtain of Maya, hmm, let me try to love Krishna, who can remove the curtain of Maya. Hmm who's very uh, attractive, and we start hearing about him, what is his personality like, what are his qualities, how he appears in Kali Yuga as the son of Sachi, hmm, performs extraordinary pastimes, and bestows an extraordinary uh, opportunity to us, and so these things heard from the right sources should charm us and embarrass us from our, in our present uh, situation and so this, why is it hard? Well, we're perpetuating it. And as I said, habits formed in youth are difficult to overcome. How will we overcome it? That we can't. We need, he can do. And how does he do? In effect, he begins even before we want to by coming into our lives through the, in the form of sadhu sangha. It says that the, the, the power to change the course of our destiny. Destiny means karma. We're going on a course, and it's 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 kind of like the um, the the wheel is set, hmm? the steering wheel. It's locked. Hmm? We've acted and we've gotten reactions and some scars, tendencies. And we continue to to move according to them, even though other opportunities are presented. We continue to to make the same um, choices and reinforce our uh, position and 
practically we're on on automatic, so to speak, and uh, heading for you know on a crash course. So, uh, so we we need something very powerful to change the course. We need someone to get in there and and grab the steering wheel, so to speak, and avert uh, the crash. Hmm. And um, then give us advice how to proceed and so on and so forth. So this is the, the power of sadhusanga. It's, it's extraordinary. And an extraordinary power is required. It's a different kind of power altogether than the power of material nature, hmm, which cannot stand in its... In its uh, in its uh, in its face, so to speak. So the, the bhakti is, is this constitute of the sarup shakti, and it has the power to change our course somehow, somewhere, at some time. We had the good fortune of sadhusanga in some life; it changed the course, and then gradually, now we increase our stock in that, and gradually, gradually, we start to get a scar for bhakti. Hmm. Just like we got habits formed for going in another direction, we start to get habits for bhakti. Maybe in this life they're they're not habitual there, but they're oh yeah, I should be doing that. Yes, I should be doing that. Hmm? I remember I should be doing it, so I do it. There are other things that you don't think about, but you just do. Hmm? Right? You don't think about oh, I should be eating. It's uh, I eat, hmm? or I just go about things automatically. Hmm? We want to become like that in relation to bhakti, so that we have sanskaras, tendencies, impressions that and stored in the chitta, and and uh, the buddhi is just kind of wedded to them, and, and the mind and senses act them out. So we need to change it. We need bhakti sanskar, hmm? bhakti sanskar in creating the impression for bhakti and a tendency for bhakti will simultaneously do away with other tendencies. So, it, it, you know, it's going to take some time. You've been doing this for forever. Hmm. And um, and you've been engaged in bhakti for, well, I can't say, for a long time, perhaps. But so it's come to a very powerful point in that we have human life and sadhu-sangha and, and so forth. So there's a lot that can be, can be uh, done. And we should see that we're doing that. Hmm. This is what we're doing. We're trying to create so, you know, bhakti sangskars. And so this chanting, these practices like this, they they don't go in vain. Hmm? What you practice, you, you you tend to continue to do, and, and it starts to become a natural tendency, become a natural bodhi. You can find some devotees it's kind of new for, and some it's just a kind of natural. So... Uh, this is this is the way, the how, so to speak, hmm? and this is what it is, and this is this is how it works, how we undo it, so to speak. This we're involved in in kind of um, a um, dissecting of, or what you call it, philosophically, it's a deconstructing hmm, of the ahankar. We've made an eye, and um, it's a problem, so we have to deconstruct it. And it's us who will deconstruct, so we do exist. And bhakti is the way to disconstruct the ego, and that in the context of of creating, as I say, these sangskars 
for that self hmm, that give us the potential to be more than we could be on our own. Hmm. Bhakti gives us the, the power to participate in Krishna Leela and, and, to, and to conquer Krishna. Hmm. That is the power of Prem. Krishna Karshani, to attract Krishna. That is Krishna in Vrindavan. He means he's attracted by his devotees, so he is what they want him to be. A friend, lover, son, and so forth. So, now you asked then, is this uh, false ego, this ankar, the cause of all the differences amongst devotees, right? Well, in one sense, you could say yes, it's, it's the cause of all of our problems and differences, and, um, and we're all making different eyes, different centers. We live within those centers and perceive the world from those centers, but those are not centers that everybody can unite around. Sometimes the center gets more actually centered and bigger and more people can get around it and to one extent or another, but hmm, but Krishna is the perfect uh, center. So we try to develop the bhakti samskara and, 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 and they keep, so to speak, Krishna in the center, and much as we are off-center, then that is the cause of our discord. Now that said, um, within the context of living in a, in a constructed I, a made-up I, a made-up identity, it's like a kid, what do you want to be when, you know, I'm going to be uh, just made-up an identity. And... Um, it's as silly as that, really. When you look at the kids who want to be, I'm going to be this, and, and they play that they're that. And so uh, only ours is more problematic. Uh, so um, <laughs> within that identity, that false ego, it's, it's kind of a well-formed false ego. There's a psychological ego. It has a psychology. Hmm. It's pretty developed role playing, so that we're involved in so that so that the the um, the identity is is convincing that it's re- it's kind of convincing that it's real and makes a good show. It has this whole psychology. It's based on desires, likes and dislikes, and we're so merged with it, so identified with it that it's me. Now that psychology hmm, of the false ego is such that if it can come into some balance that we call sattva, rather than rajas or tamas, then it can get some clarity. Through the psychological, just let it alone, through the psychological ego coming to sattva, to balance, which is what... um, the sacred texts try to help us do either through a religious orientation or through a spiritual experiential orientation like yoga practice or jnana or, or bhakti hmm? or even um, religious life which is beneath that um, um, to come to 
under the influence of sattva is to is to have a clear clear idea of what's what what where to go and and um, and a, and a, a sufficient motivation to um, engage in the in the work of deconstructing the ego and constructing a if you will um, with the help of, with the ingredient of bhakti a spiritual identity we've that's different. We will construct that, but we will construct it out of something that is enduring. Here we're constructing a false ego out of something that's lifeless. So it's taking our life away. We are consciousness, and bhakti is, is super-consciousness. It's existence, it's knowing, it's loving and it to, to a higher degree. So in conjunction with that, we can, we can invest ourselves subjectively in the super subjective realm and make an identity but it's it's not like a transformation like the false transformations we go through of birth and growth and death and so forth it's realizing our potential at any rate um, by um, bringing the psychological you to some clarity and sattva, we can have the will, the determination, the insight hmm, to keep in focus that this is this is the goal, hmm. and that uh, may help us to get along with other people as well. That can make us a better false person, hmm. a better false person, and it's only really better from an absolute sense, as much as that better false person is better suited with insight to pursue a comprehensive solution to the problem. So when we try to repair, so to speak, or heal our psych- the psychological ego of our false metaphysical ego, hmm, there's a point where such work will be helpful hmm, in bringing us to clarity, and there is a point where it, the work becomes... Rajaguna rather than the Tamaguna. Rajaguna is characterized by by improving the material situation for its own sake. Get it better, get it better, get it better. The Sadvaguna is, I can only get this thing so much better. It's a lost cause. And they get it good enough to, to take me the distance and then leave it behind, something like that. So, we have a place for that. Hmm? I've sometimes likened it to the idea of kind of creating a horizontal foundation in order to rise up vertically, as you would if you were going to build a building. Hmm? This kind of uh, sense of balance and so forth, this is, let's say, central to yoga and uh, to the uh, religious life, um, really, to get your feet materially on the ground, so to speak. You are both feet well planted you're better situated for jumping up and touching the stars if you're only standing on one leg you could jump and fall and land on your butt instead so um, so there's a place for that hmm? but as I'm mentioning um, it's not a solution unto itself but a healthy psychological ego um, is makes for a approach 
to our spiritual practice that will be more clear in its motivation and um, more effective. So, so you ask, is the false ego the cause of all the differences between devotees? Right? Something like that. It is, in a larger sense, it's the problem, you know, it's, an off, it's the off-center life that we all have, and so um, if we were all centered the same, we could still be different, but if we all had the same center, then we could cooperate, but we don't. So, yes, in that sense. But beneath that, I think that... Um, that um, there's the possibility of improving the false self, as I'm saying, within reason, hmm? such that we can more readily cooperate, be able to hear other opinions, and be able to accept that uh, someone has a difference of opinion, and I don't have to hate him because of it. It's not my opinion. I don't agree with the other things about them that we are the same Godias and something like that. You see, when you don't see like that, I call would look at this as kind of like psychological uh, disease. Hmm. That um, it's not like a spiritual problem per se. It's kind of like a material problem within a spiritual circle. Mm. This is, you see this kind of thing all the time. Like you know, you know people um, want to discuss. They don't know how to discuss. They want to have a discussion or discussion about the scriptures, and and uh, you know they 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 really don't want to discuss it. There's the facade of discussing, but they just want to make a point. They, they haven't even thought it out that well, but somebody told them it, so that they're therefore they think it must be right, and then they have to fight for it and. So on and so forth. All this is, this is you know, psychological problems, issues, um, really. Hmm. And so there, there's a place for thinking about that and talking about that that could help, I think, more devotees to overcome some of the differences that they have with one another. That and a better understanding of the very thing that they're involved in, what bhakti is, what it constitutes, what it's about, what, it, what it's, what it's, uh, what's expected. Hmm. People hear it and, you know, it's, it, we've been conditioned for a long time going in different directions. Suddenly, suddenly you're hearing about gopi bhava. It's like so far from where you have been, hmm. you know, you've been living in a trash can, you know, <laughs> Forever, and um, you know you've just been offered the penthouse suite. You just look through the trash one day, and here was an offer: you could live in the penthouse. It looks like this. So you suddenly, you know, all you have to do is, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so you've got some idea about what it means to live in the penthouse, but. So you want to live there, but you don't know how people in the penthouse act, why they get to live there. You want to act like a you know guy living in the garbage and live and enter the penthouse because you got the offer. But that doesn't work like that. You have to change yourself in so many ways, and and so you you know somebody hears about you know Gopi Bhava and then 
they say this is the goal, and then they want to beat people over the head about it, for, just for, for example. And um, so they've kind of like heard something, there's a song scar that comes good, you know, but it's not like they're not acting in, in, in a uh, integrated kind of way and haven't understood the extent to which that opportunity offered has been accepted, imbibed, digested, understood, and is being conscientiously um, and step-by-step uh, step pursued. Hmm? So there's a lot of out-of-balance out of with regard to the, even understanding the teaching and and um, so much defensiveness. I got my guru, he said like this, this guru said like that, and um, inability to uh, kind of gravitate towards the essence. So that's just kind of an inevitable, I think, um, in one sense. And um, it's not always very um, inviting. And sometimes you just want to get a tent and live it, you know, in the forest and, and chant Hare Krishna. Um, but uh, you know, you go back to it and you try again. And there are some successes here and there. Somebody gets it on some level, something, and then you feel your time was well spent. But this is, you know, it's it's maybe a little bit wishful thinking that everybody would just get along. I mean, is is there just something we could turn a key and um, working on it? Hmm? And um, good association, that's probably the best thing, but, you know, unfortunately, solution walks in the door, front door, some people show them the back door, so that's just what, what can be done. I mean, it's the great, it's, it's the it's, it's most extraordinary opportunity has been offered, and, um, you know, good things can be abused, and, and um, that clutters the path, no doubt, but... Uh, it's a bit of a runner, you know. You're running a bit of an obstacle course. Yeah, the golden road was long before, laid before you, and, and then there's so many obstacles that have been put on it. You have to identify them as such, and but don't get off the golden road. Hmm. Hmm. Goes to the rainbow at the end, or, or something like that. <laughs> so, um, so I think that there's um, things that. It can be done even within the context of still being identified. You know, Sadaka Day is like this split identity. I'm a devotee and I am such and such. And I tend to respond spontaneously to the I am such and such. And legally, you know, lawfully to the other, yes, I should do that. And the other one I just do automatically. So we're trying to change that and so forth. Um, but within that, basic kind of condition, there are some ways, and I think, of thinking about things and discussing that can help the devotees just to get along. Maybe it'll just come with time and maybe some good um, examples will certainly help. So, Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we're doing it, what we're supposed to do, but it, it's, it takes some time and it it really requires thinking about understanding better, hearing more. It's something you just can't understand. You just have to hear them and practice. And one day you wake up and go, that's what that meant. I got that. Hmm. Drips of water wither away the stone, it is said. So 
It's like that. Stay, stay under the flow there. Even if it's only just drip, drip, drip. What else? Another question? Yes. Uh, when we look at uh, Vasudeva and Devaki, uh, their prior manifestations where they were uh, Krishna's parents are referred to as Amsa, their Amsas. Uh, I understand the concept of relationship with the Supreme, and now we're talking about the Supreme's eternal associates having manifestations that are part of their full bhava. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to look at that, or is it just beyond comprehension that that the parsita has, you know, has an amsa itself? Well, there is a way to look at that, and so what he's saying is like associates of Krishna, like Nanda and Yashoda, they're described in the Bhagavatam, or Devaki and Vasudev, both are described as the mothers and fathers of Krishna. Mataresh Krishna and Vrindavan Krishna. And their previous lives are described and the practices that they did to attain the position that they attained. That's all sounding pretty good until you start to think, wait a minute, you know. If Nanda and Yashoda were previously sadhakas, then there was no mother and father for Krishna. At some point... And that can't be right. And the very bhava that you pursue, it must be eternal, otherwise it cannot be an eternal goal. Therefore, that, that's the famous verse, Nityasiddha, Krishna Prem Nityasiddha, Saddhika Bonai, Shabanadi Sudhachitte Kore, that's a Bengali rendering of a Sanskrit verse of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that defines... Uh, sadhana bhakti. Hmm. Sadhanasya, I forget it, I always forget it. But anyway, same meaning in Bengali. And the meaning is that the goal that we attain, that Siddha Krishna Prem, is eternally existing. If it's, not, if it's not an eternally existing goal, then what's happening is that you are pursuing a goal that you are making. Like right now you don't have a certain thing, and you pursue it in the realm of karma, and you attain it. Hmm? But you lose it, too. Such is the nature of the world. So the, your eternal goal, it can't be like that. The goal has to be existing already. Hmm? Yeah, and so it is. And it's and so Vatsalya Bhava, for example, is one of the ideals of the Braj Lila. So it's eternally manifest, Primarily in Yashoda, Nanda, then Rohini, then Deva, other persons in Vasudeva and Devaki are all manifestations, the different degrees of Vatsalya um, Bhakti. So, so suddenly now they're being described in the Bhagavatam as being in the world, and they had previous lives, Prishni and Sutapa, and they did this and that, and Kashyapa and, and Aditi, and, uh, no, is it? Uh, and so forth, and. Uh, if you study these two, this is Vasudeva and, and uh, Devaki, 
in their previous life. But now in the Nishal, you see there's some differences between them also, and their bhava and Vatsali is also different. Hmm? And um, and so what's being you, you read about the previous life, you realize well something has there has to be a, an explanation of this that does not contradict the idea that there must be an eternal father and mother of, of Krishna. Hmm. So when you start to think, no, the Bhagavatam is saying they're sadhakas, you have to think, no, 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 it seems to be saying that they're sadhakas. Of course, you go to the Goswamis and they give an explanation, but their explanation, while creative, sounding, hmm, well, Vasudeva and Devaki had amsas, partial manifestations of themselves in the world, and it's like, what? Wow, it sounds kind of convoluted. How's he getting all that? It's not there in the verse. The verse doesn't say that he's strong and commenting like that. And someone might say, well, he's kind of just like making this up to try to say that they're eternal associates because you believe they are. But there's a reason that we believe that they are. There's a philosophical necessity for that. Hmm? And so when you understand that, then you can comment appropriately and understand the Bhagavatam, you know, in, in context. And so um, the purpose behind all that, anyway, is is that that some people who, and who else would be better, than Amsas of the eternal associates, in this case in Batsali Rasa, who would be manifest in the world and exemplify the Salana. Hmm? To attain Vatsalya. Nanda Nisoda aren't doing that. Devaki and Vasudeva aren't doing that. They're just born and they're the father and mother. So these Amsas, they show some sadhana. And then if you study it, you see that. Oh, I can't remember all. Vishwanath gives a nice explanation. Yeah. Hmm. Well, like uh, uh, Prishni and uh, Sutapa. Sutapa. I mean, 12,000 celestial years of meditation on having a son like Krishna. Like Krishna. <laughs> right. 12,000 celestial years with their sadhana mm-hmm. in uh, Treta Yuga mm-hmm. during the Swayambhuva Mandatar. Yeah, there's more to it than that, too. Got the blessings of Brahma and they need the blessing of a devotee, and he ties it in. Without without that, you cannot get rag bhakti, and and so forth. And so anyway, they, if you study that in those commentaries, then like you know, I've studied them and remembered them and spoken about them and forget them tonight. All the details. It's pretty complex, but it's it's instructive. And basically, instruction is that by rag bhakti you can attain this, and it's the form of vasalya rag bhakti. And that's also mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sunday in the commentary of. Jiva Goswami in a section about um, Sambandhanuga Bhakti cites a person who became a king or something like that from the Puranas accepted Krishna as his son something like that, the deity and a few examples so that's the purpose hmm? they come to the world and before them there's a history and how you could have attained that at those times, and of course, you know now we live in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time, and and uh, and then the way is a little uh, different, but it's the same. But it's the context is different. So, what might be our austerity would be different than in the in the Treta Yuga or the Satya Yuga. What the austerity would be, but the, 
the principal um, aspects of the practice of saying you need the grace of a devotee and blessing and uh, so on and so forth. So that's the purpose. And um, that is one um, example of that. And there may be different types of um, devotees who do sadhana. We have the example of the rishis and of the shruti who became gopis. Hmm. And um, that's a very prominent. The, 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 the Upanishads became gopis. It's a huge point. The Upanishads personified like Gopal Tapane, Krishna Upanishad, Radha Upanishad, Isha Upanishad, all these... Ram Tapani, Shringa Tapani, they all became gopis. It's mentioned in the Bhagavatam. Oh, Shruti, very smart. People say, you don't follow Shruti, you follow Smriti. The Shruti follows us. <laughs> Shruti follows what's going on in the Bhagavatam. They became gopis. Gayatri became gopi. It's mentioned in the Padma Purana. Hmm. That's the Kam Gayatri. And so forth. So it's a way of saying, and the Shrutis are also confirming this, pointing this out. The Brajlila. And you've cowherd friends of Krishna coming from heaven who had gone there from here. From heaven they come to the Leela. They had not perfected themselves, they lived there. That's the time that the Leela came, they got to descend and participate. Some come from this side, some come from there, from Golok. Parts of them come from heaven. It's, a, it's very, uh, a lot going on. A lot of seeds been sown, a lot of Sukriti, a lot of Bhakti for Yugas and people in different places, and their time has come. Leela is manifesting, coming from different places, and sitting, and you study carefully, you see the example. When Krishna Leela comes, then. Very extraordinary time. People come out of all places, all kinds of places. Demons come with such a, such a preoccupation with Krishna that we wish we could have it. We could think so. And be so preoccupied as Kamsa, Shishupal, and so forth. They're just beginners. This is our destiny. Now, now that we have Sadhusanga, this is horse has been changed. And there's fighting there too. Disagreements. Arguing between Rasas. So you asked earlier, is this the reason of all the discord? No, some discord is because of Bhava and some is because of Bhankar and Anartas. The former is desirable, the latter is not. I remember walking with Prabhupada and Vrindavan in the Vaikuntha Gardens one morning, and the one guy was coming the other way, and Prabhupada was going Prabhupada the other way, and Prabhupada said, Hare Krishna, and he said, Hare Ram, like that, and Prabhupada laughed. And said, hey, we'll not chant Hare Krishna. Uh, he was all, he would chant Hare Ram. Mm. And uh, Prabhupada was talking about it, and so forth. He said, actually, he said this very, I never heard this before, but he said, actually, in 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 Vrindavan, Radha and Krishna are in the forest alone, and Ram comes. Ram manifests to to offer 
I think he said garland or jewelry to Radharani, something like that. He was trying to say that Ram is worshipping also Radha Krishna Leela. Hmm. It's thought that Ram Leela is better because he only had one wife, and Krishna's kind of like, well, you know, he's God, okay, so I guess he could have a lot of wives and girlfriends, but it's a little bit, you know, awkward to talk about, and Ram is pure, but this is a material standard because rasa, the laws of rasa are different. There has to be more variety to get the full taste. He's rasaraj, so... Of course, all those different gopis, who are they? All the gopis of Vrindavan, other than the sad and the siddhas, who are they? They are all manifestations of some emotion of Radha, personified, some mood, disposition, that she is the combination of all of them, the composite of all of them, manifesting. If you want just that, here's the perfect gopi, and the Radha is sending her. Something like that. Mm. So anyway, Prabhupada was, was speaking like that. that, that Ram Lila is actually worshipping Krishna Lila. It's pointing the way, as I've said. Mm. In Ram Lila you see, hmm, that's different. It's a compartment of Vaikuntha. But in that compartment, Narayan, in the form of Ram, has two hands. He's human-like. And he has a wife, but he has a mother. He has a brother. Narayan doesn't have any brothers. He doesn't have a mother or a father. So that's very different. Hmm? You can't become like a brother or a father or a mother or the consort of Ram because he's got the Ekpatni Brat, the vow to keep only one, one wife, which was thought to be noble because Kshatriyas would have many wives. So okay, you know they're powerful; they can do like that. But there's something about just one wife, you know, as we know, <laughs> it's, it's virtue. Hmm? And um, <laughs> uh, so again, Krishna becomes questionable. But what Ramlila is doing is it's actually pointing the way to Golok, where these possibilities of friendship with God, parental love of God. Hmm? And even conjugal love of God is possible. Because humans, Ram's not human. He never looked on the face of another woman. It said in the Bible, if a man looks on the face of another woman, then he has committed a crime or something. That's lust. It's gone there. Hmm. Or the same holds for the other side, you know. You might be married to someone and be very affectionate, and still you get attracted to somebody else sometime. It's weird. It's not supposed to be there, but this is human nature. No, Ram, not like that. <laughs> he's not human. He appears human, but he's so... He does everything so right that you realize he's got to be God. Nobody could do like that. Hmm? Super moral, righteous, and, uh, of course, full of bhakti, ultimately. But... Um, um, but... He is human-like, Ram. So he's, in one sense, he's showing the way that you humans, there's a human-like possibility. What's the human-like possibility? Human-like possibility is not like Ram. It's like there's, you know, there's a 
So here we, what's the, how's the possibility play out? Not that you can go and have many gods to love, but you can have one god and he can have many lovers, and and uh, it's kind of a reverse out, hmm? and it's not a problem, and everybody feels fully loved. Hmm? So there's a possibility for conjugal love with God, not in the Ram situation. It's kind of human-like, but Krishna's Leela is fully human-like. So therefore, is such a possibility, and fraternal love is there. Parental love is there. It's not possible in Ram You can be a Hanuman. That's pretty cool. Dasya Rasa is the opportunity. There are some people in modern times who have been invented, based obviously on the Gaudiya position, invented a whole Ram Leela with, with um, maidservants of Sita and all Manjaris and the whole thing. It's all total Gaudiya face on Ram Leela with regard to Parakya. It's very, it's no, I mean, it's just made up kind of a thing. That's what people take it seriously, but that's not the lesson. Lesson is, you know, we have, we got, we like Ram. We can have that too. No, that's why Vrindavan Das makes his point in Chaitanya Bhagavat. When people want to have, for example, time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, some people wanted to have conjugal love with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in in female forms, and think that he's he's Krishna. So why not? Hmm? I want to be a gopi, you know. Nadia Devi and have romantic love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But Vrindavan says, yes, he's Krishna. That's true. And he can enjoy any mood. But we should approach him in relation to the mood that he's in. He's not in the mood of having many, many wives. He's in the mood of Radha herself, the principal consort. And wanting to taste himself from her perspective, he's not there for that purpose. He's not there for the purpose of rasaraj to taste all the rasas and reciprocate and with everybody. And that way, he's there to taste the brajrasa of of Radha himself. So we should assist him in that, hmm? like gopis do, like the Krishna's friends do, so forth. Hmm? That's the purpose. So, yes, Ram is God, but. Hmm. There are some parameters to how that plays out with different types of devotees. Hmm? So you understanding that this is the beauty of it all. Hmm? You know, you say, "Well, Ram, I'm going to be devotee of Ram." Okay, then if you got, you want to make a case this park is good. We'll have it in Ramlila too. You, know, you, you can't do that. Hmm? So, but anyway, the love of Ram that's good. Hmm? And Prabhupada said, "Hari Krishna." He said, "Hari Ram." And Prabhupada laughed and told the story, and we went and walked around, and we came back. And as we were coming back, he, the man was coming the other way. And Prabhupada was going, and Prabhupada said, Hare Krishna, he said, Hare Ram, suck his cane up, like, Hare Ram. Prabhupada laughed, and he really liked it a lot. <laughs> so their, his conviction in Ram was very pleasing to Prabhupada. But it should be real. Yes. And that's why we're... Uh the example is provided of the Munis who were attracted to the relationship between Ram and Sita, and therefore they were. He said, "Yes, we this can't be fulfilled here. It has to right. be fulfilled in Krishna." 
these rishis were living in the Dandakaranya forest and they were chanting the Gopal Mantra. Hmm? And um, so they developed an affinity for following the gopis, hmm? way of loving. Gopi Janabalava. Gopi Janabalava, yes. Aha. And uh, they were doing it for a long time. And Ram came through the forest, the Dandakaranya forest, when he was looking for Sita. One of the significant, from the Gaudiya perspective, incidents in Ram Leela. This is, and this is how we should look at Ram Leela or this, that Leela. From the Gaudiya perspective, what's important in Ram Leela for us, this is an important point. It's a, just a point in passing in Ram Leela, and Ram Bhakti might not take much significance out of it. Yeah. But a Gaudiya person would say, oh, we make much out of this. You see? Ram came through there, and Ram is Krishna, and so they saw Ram, and then they felt we're, it's like we're seeing the object of our love, like the gopis love, they wanted to follow the gopis, we're seeing, but it, not quite, it's him, but, and they're, they're just sadhakas, so they're, they're thinking, is this, looks like, but not. <laughs> so you need a guru to give, you know, confirmation. No, that's not him. He's not quite, you know. But so Krishna Court Ram was served as a guru. He said, he blessed them. He said, in this life, yes, I am the one that you're meditating on. But in this Leela, I have taken a vow, ek patni brat, to keep only one wife. But in the next millennia, I will come as Krishna, keep meditating. In that life, you, know, you will be born as Raj Gopis, and then you can enter into the Rasalila and so forth. So, these are one one group of sadhakas. Took them a long time to get there. How long they waited for Ram to appear? How long after that, Ram gave the blessing. Krishna Lila will come. Then, so it could take a little time. These are the old examples of antiquity that such a thing exists. Kamanuga Bhakti, for example, the love of the gopis for Krishna. These are the old examples that the um, Goswamis, modern day, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu followers will cite. The Shruti, as I mentioned, statements that they've made about pursuing the gopi bhav. This is just evidence that it exists in some form. Hmm. But then an arpitajirin charat kurnayabhatina kolo samarapaitam unnatoja rasam sabhakti suryam. Chaitanya Dev comes and gives it out like anything, like water. Hmm. And not just ujjwal rasa, that means kantabhav, gopibhav, but unata, ujjwala. That means the special place of handmaidens of Radha, by which you can taste the full Mahabhav of, of Radha herself. Very extraordinary. This is the gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as he's tasting it in his own way. This is the way. He makes it available to others. So this is the special gift within the general gift of the Braj Rasas, four of which are there, and you know, one of 
divided into two, Kamanuga, Sambandanuga, Sambandanuga, covering Patsalya, Dasya, and Sakya, embodied in Nityananda Prabhu. And Iris, obviously, primarily Sakya, so he's giving that. So, he says today, these are the old examples. And Hopper was taken and giving systematically through a sampradaya. This is this is the extraordinary thing. Systematically through the whole sampradaya with a whole literary heritage, legacy, and sadhus, examples, and commentaries, and everything. So this is what it means. Anarpita, samarpayitam. Anarpita, samarpita. It was not given. It is given. It was never given. Now it's being given. This is what the verse says. This is the blessing verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Rupa Goswami's verse of Pidagda Madhava. This Namaskar verse there. Anarpita charim charat kronayabhatinakolo. Never before has it been given. That's what it means. Coming in Kali Yuga, mercifully disposed. Hmm. He's giving the blessing of his own Bhakti, Unatulza Rasa Svabhakti Sriyam, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. May he reside in the core of your heart like a lion. Despite the mountain of your resistance, there's a cave he's going to go in, stay there and roar, and chase away all your vices, although they're big as elephants. The roar of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu like a lion. And Rupa Goswami says, as I, he really says, as I am being blessed in composing this verse by Spurti of Gaur Lila, the manifestation of Gaur Lila, may you also, Spurti Vahasachinamana, may you be blessed. What is the, what Lila is he having? A, he's composing the verse and in his meditation. Lila's, Lila's coming. What Lila's coming? That answer is there. Spurutova, such in the name, Sachinandan. Hmm. He says Sachinandan, and all the Lila's there. Now, what is that Lila? The, 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 the idea that Sachi is giving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the world. Hmm. Gave permission to take sannyas, and he's given him to the world. The verses this is very nice. It's, a, it's about his blessing and about his gift. And the gift means that not, it comes to the Navadvipulila, which is not from Dabhan, and the blessing goes outside of that. And it's right in the middle here. Hmm. So you see, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm. cannot live without the Sachi. And that means, means the inhabitants of, Vrindab, of, of Navadvip. It's like Krishna cannot live without the inhabitants of Vrindavan. But he cannot withhold, is the difference, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna. They both cannot live without Vrindavan and Navavi, respectively, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu cannot withhold that from anybody else. There's this little Audarya, he's giving it everywhere. And there's this tension, such he doesn't want him to go. He doesn't want to go. He has to go. <laughs> And she blesses him. And so he, he invokes the name Satchinanda and he's thinking of all the Mahaprabhu's uh, speaking to Sachi when his her, 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 his older brother left and took sannyas. 
and how she felt. The father had passed away. Who will take him? Mahaprabhu said, I'll always, even if I leave, you and my mother, wherever I am, it means I'll always be with you, watching over you. And whoever chants your name is purchased by me entirely. And all my associates are purchased as well. Jaisachinandam, this is the meaning. And it was she, after he became a monk, then he put himself back in her hands. Do what you want with me, she said. Go to Puri. And from Puri, you're going to give this to everybody. It's a port. Namadipas too, I guess, but... Yeah. You can give it there. The Lord of the universe is there, so the whole universe comes there. Hmm. From all over, the universe was India at the time. Of course, the people coming from all over India to Jagannathpur give it to the whole, hmm. and from there go everywhere. It's their blessing. Goswami's. This is what he saw in his heart. He said, "Let that come in your heart." Hmm. Let that such undone come in your heart and you know, feel all these things. Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan, Gaud Premanandi.